Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good morning. Um, here we are, all at home, and here I am over at, over at Caleb's house, and we are doing service as usual, obviously, that's why you're here. Um, hope everybody's doing great in the uh, lockdown, and uh, please turn to your brother and sister and greet them in a holy hug. Um <laughs> So uh we should make a make a holy hug emoji. Um So yeah, uh man, it's just keep on living on the indoors, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I had more to talk about. Oh, I watched a really good documentary on the Smiths last night. <laughs> oh, and uh Public Images Rotten came out on Vimo. V it's like not, oh. not Venmo, but it's Vimo. And uh it's Johnny Rotten's second band, Public Image Limited, you know, after the Sex Pistols. And Guy is really intelligent and went through like 80 band members and really interesting documentary. That's what we do, right? We just recommend documentaries and shows to watch online. Um, so I'm going to recommend that and say check it out. Um, I woke up at 5 o'clock this morning to watch an interview, a live interview with him on uh, Facebook Live, and then was like, why isn't he coming up? Why isn't he coming up? And then I looked, and it was like, oh, it's June 17th. So I woke up for no reason. It was great. Um, did that. Uh, I've been reading, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, yeah, I had a wild week on Twitter. I feel like all of us are just, it's easy to go into weird places when we're at home, stuck at home, and or stuck with your kids and trying to entertain them and then all that stuff. And it's been kind of a strange time for me online, arguing, which seems almost pointless. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit about that today um, in the talk, in, in today's talk. Um, it's always tough to get started with these things. Any, any, any announcements, Caleb? Well, Jay, uh, your your car is fixed. We li- I had everyone lift up your car last week. <laughs> well, that's why the car got fixed. Yeah. That was the extra charge, too. You guys must have been not praying for the car to be cheaper. Um, yeah, got fixed. <laughs> Cost me a lot of money, and that's nice. So thank you, stimulus check. <laughs> got to get my car fixed. Um, it was going <laughs> every time I hit the brakes. Um so today we're going to kind of talk about um, this this philosopher, and uh, it's funny because I was talking to somebody on Twitter about Revolution Church, and um, their mind was blown by the stuff that we talk about, but it was funny because it was not in a good way. Like they were telling me like, oh, you're a contradiction and nothing you make is makes sense, and I had to like send him links to all these different philosophers, and he's like, "I'm a philosopher. Why don't I?" Under-? I'm like, well, "Yeah, why don't you understand what you're saying if you have a degree in philosophy?" And uh, telling me I was an opportunist and all this. And Twitter is just a really fun place. Um, but it's funny because people, I've kind of realized, and, and I've said this before, is like there's two types of people who take the Bible literally, and that's fundamentalists and atheists. And so I think this guy was just kind of like, "Well, I don't believe in any of that crap." 
but you're doing it wrong. So it's nice when, mm. when people who don't believe in it are still telling you're wrong. So they have that. <laughs> I was like, wow, you have a lot in common with my uh, fundamentalist friends. <laughs> um, so that was interesting. So I'm going to just try to jump into this today because I don't really have like a blow up starter, but it's a little bit about communication. And um, it's from a philosopher named uh, Jurgen Habermas, Jurgen, J U R G E N, Habermas, H A B E R M A S. And um, luckily I found him through another philosopher that I was reading um, because then I was thinking about picking up his book and then I had a friend of mine tell me that, uh, that he's really boring. Um, <laughs> he's like, I think you got the best stuff right there, but I might still try to get the book. I don't know. But I think this is interesting. I'm going to try to read it to you in philosophy, philosophy words, and then I'll try to, you know, we'll try to break it down a little bit so we can all, you know, look at it. Um, but philosophers always choose their words very particular. Um, so, according to Habermas, the rationality, rationality that inheres in in the act of speaking indicates an ultimate level of agreement. This occurs whenever people speak to each other. When we argue, we affirm a shared acceptance of rationality that will accede to during the course of the argument. Though desire can stain the past of reason that underlines speech that cannot evacerate evacerate it the rationality that inheres is discourse propels us beyond our particular desire and creates the base for an ethical relation with others um and i think what he's saying here is that um that something happens, and I like this, where he says, in the act of speaking indicates an ultimate level of agreement that occurs whenever people speak to each other. Um, that there's kind of a common humanity that we find when we're willing to sit down and have a conversation. Um, now, I don't think he had uh, social media in mind. I don't think he was thinking about Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Um, because I think we've all found that it's hard to one, you can't hear the cadence, you can't hear people's voices, you can't mm. see their faces. Um, and so it's often not this human moment. Um, but he goes on to say, um, this occurs when people speak to each other, even when we argue. We affirm a shared acceptance of rationality. Um, so I've, I've, I've found a few people where, I, especially with this recent issue with my father, um, people saying he had a cure to COVID and all this stuff. And I was like, I'm not sure about that. He said that, you know, I usually don't watch the videos, but this time I watched the video because people kept sending it to me and linking me to it. So I was like, all right, I'll watch it. Matter of fact, I'll call my dad and ask him too. And, um, and so one of the things was, is, uh, I, I, I watched the promo, the, 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 the clip and realized that it wasn't what, he never actually said that it was a cure. And so I was like, Oh, okay, well it's weird that all these media groups are reporting this and he's gotten in trouble for it. And, you know, um, but growing up a baker, growing up under the media spotlight, you know, you're kind you kind of get used to that stuff. So it wasn't anything where I was like just devastated. 
Um, I did kind of have a moment of weakness uh, a couple days ago on Twitter where I was just, it kind of had it because I kept having people like troll me. And, uh, and that was tough. Um, also because I was watching a lot of my, um, pro- uh, a lot of progressive brothers and sisters argue on Twitter about like a guest on a podcast or something. And they were all arguing and really going at each other really hard. And then I'm like getting here, getting like slammed by people being like, denounce your dad. Why don't you say this? I worry, you know, I'm going like, why are we worried about, why are my friends worried about this thing? And this my, some of my frame friends who, who definitely like critique my dad, you know, but they can't be worried about what I'm going through. Maybe I was feeling like a martyr or something. I don't know. I was just having a bad day. I was just being human, uh, feeling very human at the time. So I just, I just tweeted something. I was like, I should take that down. But then I started getting people saying stuff and we had really good conversations. Um, what was the point of that? Sometimes I go too far and then I forget my point about disagreeing or yeah, disagreeing or or just not being able uh, just shared humanity and and seeing each other shared humanity. And and, and it's hard to, to see that. Oh, this is the point. I went a little far in my point. Anyway, so some of these folks who who did stuff about this dad, I found one group that was uh, run by a pastor, and um, so instead of getting mad about it and sending off a mean tweet, I just did research and contacted the guy and said, here's my phone number, I'd love to talk to you Mm. about it. And um, not much changed. Um, I think they took a little bit, changed a little bit of their their copy for their, what they were saying about my dad, because they're trying to get him taken off the air. But but we had a good conversation, and we recognized each other's humanity, and that was pretty cool. And um, through a phone call, you know, I, I mean, it would pre- be preferable to, to be in person. Um, but it took the time, and it was like 45 minutes to an hour to have this conversation. And, but, you know, I saw a change. And that's what happens when we are willing to communicate with each other and not to beat a dead horse, but not scapegoat each other, not just get angry and fire something off. And I think one of the things that Christianity doesn't get enough credit for is it's constant push for us to communicate with one another. Um, And it's funny because then I have to go back and read you know, philosophy and read philosophers talking about the importance of us communicating with each other, not scapegoating one another. And then remind myself, oh, there was something in the Bible, wasn't there? (laughs) And then kind of go back and touch on that. Um, But, you know, so uh, why do I keep, why do we keep calling, why do we continue to call ourselves Christians? You know, I mean, it's such a loaded word. Um, and in some ways, I still feel like I'm, you know, why do we call revolution a church, too? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I had somebody, you know, tell me we shouldn't call it a church and blah, blah, blah. And I realized we probably need to change some of the, some of our copy on our website because it is very Christian-y from the earlier years. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but the fact is, is that we've kind of, we, we continue to move, we continue to evolve, we continue to think critically. Um but this idea that we need to communicate with one another and go to one another when we have issues and not fire off some 
angry thing. And I, I think with, with it's harder with public figures because it's not like a public figure is going to necessarily get back to you. Um, but I think there might be ways to try to reach out to people and say, hey, can we talk? Can we DM? Can we have a phone call? Um, you know, it takes a little bit more time. Sometimes it takes research. Um, sometimes you don't get an answer back, and that's a bummer. Um, but it's, it's this idea of taking the road less traveled and really uh, taking the time to think about something. And one of the good things is, is when we take time to look into something and, and think about communication and think about what we would say to someone if we were face-to-face or on the phone ear-to-ear, um, it also allows us to, to look at what our part is in the situation, what our insecurities are, what our lack is, and um, calm down a little bit, you know, and maybe not be as as uh, as as angry or mean or judgmental as we would be if we just fired something off, you know. And um, two, when you're communicating with another individual one on one, it's not performance art, you know. You're not doing it because someone's like, oh, someone's going to like this because this is a really good burn, you know. <laughs> um, someone's going to, I'm going to be right. And I'm going to get a lot of people who agree with me that I'm right, you know, um, not necessary. Um, so how we communicate with each other is, 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 is vital. And I think it's something, especially in like time of COVID, you know, when I feel like a lot of my communication is happening online. Um, so I, I think it's a vital thing for us to look at how we communicate with one another. Um, I am going to read out of Matthew today, out of the good book. Um, Matthew 5 if you're following along in your hymnals in your Bibles uh, Matthew 5 21 um, you want to see the version you read everyone always asks uh, what version does Jay read <laughs> NSRV. I read the NRSV NS-NRSV. the new revised standard Just version every single time someone asks them. very accurate so there you go you don't even have to ask um, and I think communication is super important. Um, it's funny that I was talking to somebody about being a communicator on Twitter. Maybe I need to take a Twitter break. Um, and they're like, you're not a communicator. You're a preacher. You know, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, great. <laughs> And you're trying to win everybody to Jesus. I'm like, mm, I'm actually not, you know, but interesting enough. But I'm going to try to communicate and we're going to talk about Jesus. Um, matter of fact, we're going to quote Jesus. Or someone's going to, we're going to quote someone quoting Jesus. <laughs> um, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to, I love it, it says, to the hell. To the hell. To the hell. (laughs) Scary. Um, The hell of fire. Um, So when you're offering... So when you are offering your gift at the altar, when you're making your sacrifice, um, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there 
before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Um, so obviously this is saying reconciliation is more important than your sacrifices. You know, and this is supposed to be a sacrifice to God. Like, I'm giving this to God, you know. And, um, and this, I don't want your sacrifices. You know, I don't want you to do what you think you're supposed to do here or there. What I want you to do is when you have an argument, when you have a disconnection with another person, I want you to go and meet with that person. I want you to settle the issue. Now, we all know that that's not always going to happen. Um, there's times that it does, uh, you know, and sometimes I, I spend, you know, way too much time trying to, to, uh, have conversations with what some people would call trolls and you're like, don't feed the trolls. Um, you know, but I had one really, one really tough conversation where the guy was saying every, you know, nothing nice about my father and not much nicer stuff about me. I think he actually compared my dad to Hitler at one point. Just, just side note: when you compare somebody to Hitler, you're often losing the conver- the, the argument. Um, <laughs> I mean, unless they're really like that, yeah. and it's really hard. He was really, really a bad person. Um, there's actually a term for it, and I can't remember what it is, but. Um, But this this idea of of oh so I, I had this communication and finally we got to the point where I just was like listen man you know you came to me I'm talking to you you've been mean to me this whole time you know and I'm just trying to share with you my own experience you know I can't give you anything else I can't obviously tell you what you want to hear um, but I'm trying to have this conversation and when we came to that realization that we were both in this mutual conversation the whole vibe shifted when it was like, he was like, Oh, that's right. You know, me and you were talking, even though it's online. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I was like, and, and he's like, well, maybe I'm sorry, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, yeah, but I said, it's good to have tough conversations. It's good to try to work these things out. And, um, so that was great. Now I had two more that did not work out at all. One, I had to block on Instagram. We had a guy just coming in and just saying all sorts of horrible stuff. Um, and it wasn't anything I had put up about my dad. He just found a picture of my mom and then started talking about my parents. And, um, a lot of you really, really tried hard to talk to this guy and love on this guy. And I was really proud to see like how a lot of the, you folks were just like, you know, Hey man, you've got pain, you've got hurt. Maybe they did mm-hmm. something to you. Maybe you were a part of that. What right. was going on, you know? And seeing people really trying to do empathy, but he just kept kind of just coming after people and insulting them. And eventually I just had to say, sometimes grace is blocking. Sometimes grace is, you know, we talk about grace from afar because Sean really helped me with that a little bit. And sometimes you got to, giving grace is giving space, mm-hmm. you know, and allowing people to just be there and, and, and love from a distance. Um, so kind of, and it's grace for yourself, you know, because you just don't want to drive yourself crazy. So I uh, had a boundary there. Um, but here Jesus is saying, you know, I want you to communicate with each other. I want you to try to make these issues right um, when someone's hurt you or you hurt someone else. You know, it's more important than all your sacrifices. It's more important than all your good works, you know. 
communication is key. And I think we've forgotten about that. You know, it's like, even when I watch like news stories and stuff, you know, like the clickbait and stuff, and I go on, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened, you know? And then I get online and I'll do a little research. And, um, I just recently had somebody actually tell me like, Hey, have you ever tried just researching some of these things that get you so mad and look at all the different facts and things? And you go like, okay, yeah, I'll take a look. And you look and you go, Oh, this isn't being talked about or this isn't being mentioned. And, you know, you realize that there's a lot of different nuances, a lot of different, um, I don't even know if nuances was the right word, but a lot of different facts, a lot of different things that you might not understand. And so rather than just clicking like retweet, you know, burn, burn it down, you know, you go like, oh, okay, there's, there's issues I don't understand here. And when we communicate with one another, we'll often realize that maybe there's pain here I don't understand, or there's hurt I don't understand. Um, you know, I mean, most of us here have been hurt by religion one way or the other and are doing our best not to come out as angry as we were before, you know, um, but a lot of people are going just through life and it's tough. And sometimes the only way they can release that is through, you know, online now, which is a weird thing to talk about. But so Jesus is very clear. Go to one another. If you're angry with one another, try to work this conversation out. Try to talk to one another. Try to make peace. Now we're going to go a little bit further because he goes even further in this. He says, um, he says, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Obviously, this is dealing with a particular subject, but, you know, it's even saying, like, before you go to court, before you take this person to court, before you have them take you to court, try to sit down and have a communication. Try to sit down and talk to one another. Um, you know, this seems like such a simple thing to do, um, but it's tough. I mean, we all kind of have our own tribes, and we can argue with each other within our own tribes, but then we see people outside of our own tribe, and then it's easy for us to to demean them. It's easy for us to uh, judge them and throw stones at them and you know, be snarky and and do all these things. Um, but it takes a lot of like dying to yourself which the Bible talks about. It takes a lot of patience, which the Bible talks a lot about kindness, um, and peace to calm down and go to the person that's offended you to talk to the person that's hurt you. Um, so I'm going to just go ahead and say that I don't think that arguing on Twitter is that fruitful, but you're definitely welcome to call me out if you see me doing it. Um, because sometimes we all just jump on one another and we just get defensive and we do all this and we don't see each other. We don't feel each other. We, 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 we lose a, hu- a shared humanity there. And, you know, it's no wonder to me that people don't want to be Christians or want anything to do with Christianity. Um, I mean, I struggle with wanting to be a part of Christianity. I struggle with wanting to call myself a Christian a lot. Um, and when I see that this constant discord, this sowing discord amongst each other, just happens across the board. Like it is like the great equalizer. It doesn't matter if you're conservative or you're progressive. You know, it's just everybody has these like things. 
that we just go to task for and we go after each other and we forget that we're talking to human beings. The issue becomes this really huge thing and we forget the humanity of all the other peoples involved. And we think that somehow being mean or arguing or, you know, online or things like that is going to solve this issue. When really the only thing that can really solve these issues is coming together. Now, Martin Luther King Jr. saw this clearly and would do everything in his power to sit down and meet with those who stood against civil rights um, or workers' rights. Um, because at the end, he did a lot of, for people in poverty, and, and, the, and when he was assassinated, he was working for the sanitation workers. Um, but he would do everything he could, bef- you know, you're like, oh, the protests and everything like that. But what we don't realize is there was a group in an office making phone calls, sending letters, trying to set up meetings for King to sit down and have conversations with the different, these different politicians, uh, with these different corporations. Um, he was constantly doing his best to communicate with others. And because he realized what we're talking about, which, is, uh, which, which Jurgen Habermas has talked about, he calls it communicative rationality. He realized the power of communicative rationality. Uh, when two people come together, even when they disagree, even if the other person hates you, you know, and, and that's the why I always use King as an example. I'm not trying to steal King or, or, or what's the word? Uh, people, uh, I, um, I don't know. What is it when people say, that? I know you're oh, don't, don't take that. You're, don't. you're not trying to take his words as your own. No, I mean, not my words as own, but that's not it. Uh, anyway, I'm sure someone will think about it. Um, but I, I'm not trying to say, oh, you know, King wrote the best roadmap for this. King and Gandhi did really good at writing a great roadmap. If you read any books on nonviolence, really powerful. If you read books by King, very powerful. Gandhi as well. But this idea that they saw the power of communicative rationality of what happens, appropriate. Yeah, I'm not trying to appropriate <laughs> King. Um, what I'm trying to do is say that King was a hero to many. And, um, and as much as he was fighting... He was fighting for civil rights for his African-American brothers and sisters. He was also fighting to free white folks from hate. And he was trying to set us free and show us how to think and how to see a common humanity. And that's the great thing about Luther's, Martin Luther's work is that he wanted us all to see that we were humans and, 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 and had a common, you know, a common mutuality was our humanity. And so that was really, 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 really... Um, always really amazing to me. So I always felt like, you know, King wasn't just fighting for those folks. King was fighting for me to be a better person, you know, for me to see the error of my ways, um, which I thought was, was, was pretty cool. Um, by exposing a lot of this, this trouble that was going on, by exposing the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the conflicts, the silent conflicts that were already there. And so he would meet with folks, and I think it would be interesting to do a study on how many people did he meet with that they didn't protest. Because what would happen was, is usually they would meet with people first and try to have these meetings and these communications, and when that didn't work out, or if they refused to meet, that's when they would start the protests or start, you know, um, 
you know, uh, not not riding the buses or not going to certain things or not, you know, boycotting. That's when the boycotting would start. And I learned this a lot through working with um, with uh, Soul Force, which really was founded on 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 King and Gandhi's ideals of nonviolence. Um, that we would try to meet with people before we we protested or before we had a media thing or before we did anything else um, or a boycott or anything, it was, can we meet with you in person? Can we sit down and have a conversation? And even if the conversation didn't always go our way, we were still able to have a kind of a shared humanity and then move on to the next group of folks to meet with them or talk with them or protest or, or, or do that if that wasn't possible, if they weren't willing to work things out. Because sometimes you have to expose uh, what the other's doing for them to see their own humanity and their own failing of the humanity, their own mistakes of people's. I mean, that's why nonviolence was so important to King was because why they didn't fight back is they were trying to show the nature of this, the, the horrible nature of racism as far as like they're beating us and we're not doing anything. This shows their hearts. This shows their motivations. Um, they hate without cause. Um, but back to the main point, the main point was as, as King saw the importance of com- communicative rationality for us to try to have with each other. So, um, so that's, I mean, that's the main message for me today is for revolution this morning is, is that we, we learn to be better communicators and we learn to work out our issues personally before we go to war um that we we take the extra step you know so when i go back to well why christianity it's because i can it one it's because it's the way i was raised and it's what's in my toolbox um but two is because grace changed my life and christ's message did change my life and 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 revolutionized it and now I'm getting my life revolutionized by political rights leaders and civil rights leaders and philosophers. And what they're doing is, is they're stirring something inside me that's already there. And it's funny because I'm able to go back to my faith and draw that out and go, this is why Christianity, you know, um, to see that even how Paul kind of had an insight on the unconscious, uh, you know, and, and, all is beneficial, but it's not all principle by taking away the idea of, you know, the, the secret things, you know, the, those that create these crazy desires. And he's going, okay, it's all beneficial. Just not all, be- it's all, I mean, it's all permissible, but it's not all beneficial. You know, these insights that, that were there before some of these books were written. And I think that's why philosophers, a lot of philosophers have been uh, interested in Christianity and, and faith before. I think that's probably why Shlavo Zizek, who's the, probably one of the greatest philosophers of our time, calls himself a Christian atheist because he still uses pulls out from Jesus. He still pulls out from Paul. You know, he pulls out from this. I think, you know, it's pretty interesting that that our faith still has things to teach us and things to grow from. And the problem is, is over the years, we often just major in, we major in minors or we just get the highlights, you know. And we all, we all cherry pick, you know. So I guess my hope is to help you think about some of the other verses you might not be thinking about too, you know. Um, Obviously, we're supposed to love the poor, take care of the poor, help the hurting and the less fortunate. Um, you know, but we're also supposed to love our enemies and be kind to them and go to them when we have an issue and have a conversation with them. We're also supposed to turn the other cheek. You know, these are all these other things that 
that that our faith calls us to do. And, um, you know, because when we confront issues like the poor, you know, often that's something that is something that the government and, and capitalism plays a big part in. And so... You know, some of us feel called to go to the the source and go to politicians and go there and and make a statement. And uh, you know, my heroes have always been guys who 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 went in and met with these politicians and changed laws. You know, made thing made changes because they sat down and had the conversation and they're saying, "This is there's an economic reason why my community is suffering and dying, and it's because you guys are doing A, B, or C, or D, or these laws are unjust." And have the hard conversations and see the laws change. So there's different levels of everything. It's like, yeah, I want to work at the soup kitchen, but I'd also make like to figure out why is everybody, why are there so many people at the soup kitchen? Who do I need to communicate and talk to because there's so many people who can't afford food, who can't live their job, who can't get medical help, who can't get, you know, insurance to live you know how do i make these changes as well you know so how do we attack it on different on all the levels and a lot of that comes through communicative rationality um yeah so that's kind of been blowing my mind lately is just this continuous need to have the tough conversations and i know i've pushed this all the time and i've pushed it and used probably five or six different philosophers i know i've used mlk jr a million times on on how we communicate better um, but I, I keep thinking like what it, about like I was thinking about legacy the other day, and people say, "What do you want your legacy to be?" And I, I, you know, this one guy telling me that I'm a preacher and that I want everybody to become Christians. And the idea, I just want people to think. I just want us to think. I don't want us to be lazy thinkers. You know, I want us to think well. I want us to think through the complicated ideas and how we can. Resolve those ideas by thinking well, by not scapegoating, by not jumping to conclusions, and by not necessarily jumping on what even our tribe might think is right and correct right away. You know, continue to question ourselves and go, okay, wait a second, I need to look into this before I jump on the bandwagon. This might not be, you know, I don't, I've got to make sure we have all the facts, not just like, oh, I'm going to trust you. Because right. honestly, that's been the issue with the church all the time. Mm-hmm is that people don't read their Bibles, they go to church on Sunday, and they go, well, the pastor said it, you know, mm-hmm. so, I mean, it must be from God, and it's like, oh, no, your pastor is just really bad at theology, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Amen. So, uh, study theology, you know? Um, I used to ask Pete, like, I really like pyrotheology, and I feel like it's part of my theology now, um, but I was like, oh, dude, could you just write a beginner's guide to pyrotheology? Because I'd really like to get into it, but I don't want to read all your complicated crap. You know, and so I started reading all these books anyway because he wasn't doing this intro to pyrotheology. And then one day I was like, "Well, you know, why don't you do this book?" I'm like, "I've gotten some insight on it. It's really great stuff." And he's like, "Well, do you know why you have insight on it?" And I was like, "Because you're my friend." He goes, "No." He's like, "Because you've done the hard work. Because you've read these books. You've read these authors that are very difficult to understand." But you needed to read them. You needed to go through the process to understand where it's at. He's like, so that's why you understand it. And he's like, you know, there's no easy way. You know, he's like, I can give you some concepts, but there's no easy pill to swallow. You have to go through understanding things. And that's the frustrating thing when you sit down with somebody sometimes 
is that you want to explain everything to them because you're not going to be like, well, here's a book. You need to read this book. Oh, and read this book. And, you know, I'm just going to send you a text, um, mm-hmm. some Facebook, you yeah, know, you know, about five books you need to read and then we can have a conversation. I mean, that's tough. And I've learned to strip things down and, and try to take them down to their, their basic level. Um, but still doing the hard work is important. And that's how we grow. And, and going in with the idea of like, I want to understand this. I'm willing to be wrong. And I'll tell you what, sometimes you're going to find from studying and from research, um, you might not always like what you find. You know, you might not always get the answer you want. You might not always get the popular answer that you want. And that is a really tough thing. Um, you may have compassion for somebody you don't want to have compassion for. Um, I'll use my own life as an example because that's how I live. Um, when I was a teenager, Jerry Falwell wanted to meet with my father. And I didn't want him to meet with my dad. My dad was in prison and I was like, man, Jerry Falwell is going to come in and try to put the, like, the, le- the, final, you know, the final shoe. Like he's going to shank my dad or something. I'm like, I don't want that guy meeting with my dad. And then my dad's like, all right, I won't meet with him, which his lawyer was really mad about for some reason. He's like, but my dad was like, why you don't, if you meet with him and then you decide that we can meet, then we'll meet. So I'm flying to some crazy church that he's speaking at to sit down and speak with Jerry Falwell. Now, did everything I hear from Jerry Falwell convince me that he was going to be a safe person to meet with my dad, especially when he's in prison? No. But I did see what, uh, what uh, Habermas is talking about here in the commutative rationality. And here I was 16 and I saw the commutative rationality of the fact that I did recognize humanity there. I saw humanity there. I almost felt like Darth Vader. You know what I mean? Where he was like, you know, there's still good in him. You know, you could just see this little glimpse of just like something there. Also, what I got out of it was the importance of me forgiving and letting go and not carrying this anger with me. And so I, I experienced something amazing. And I was like, of course I'm going to let him meet with my dad because I don't want my dad to miss out on what I met what I, what I saw, where, there's, where we saw this common huma- humanity and where maybe I didn't hear what I wanted, but I got to say what I wanted and I got to let this anger, I mean, it's come back and forth and back and forth, but at that time I was able, I was able to release something that had been holding me down and burning inside me and, and, and this, this, this crazy anger that you can have at somebody when they become a caricature yes. rather than a human being. And what I saw was an old giant Baptist preacher who just, you know, didn't know how to be wrong, you know, and I just saw a, a frail human being, you know, and, um, but he met with me, we met, we had a conversation. Um, so, I mean, a lot can happen. I mean, if that happened to me at 16, before I even knew what commutative rationality was, or before I really even knew I was supposed to, to talk to my enemy... Um, think about when we have these things too, when we have these conversations. So I use that to say like, you're going to have hard conversations and they're not always going to go the way you want. You're going to see things and study things and find out that maybe the truth that you wanted to be there is not always there. Um, but we learn that through taking the time, doing the hard work, you know, going the extra mile. Um, 
not holding on so tightly to our identity that we allow our identity to dictate how we're going to feel because that's how we're supposed to feel. Like, I'm a punk, so as a punk, I'm supposed to feel this way. You know? It's like, oh, this isn't very punk rock to think like this. Mm -hmm. And that's what I loved about the Johnny Lydon, which is also Johnny Rotten documentary, is that I saw him speaking to people and... You know, and he's like, "Oh, this isn't punk rock. I don't think this is this, this." You know, because he was just like, "Because I can't think that way. Because I've lived too much life. You know, I don't care what people think if it's punk or not punk. You know, this is what I've learned from life. You know, so I make these decisions. I, I'm not. I'm not dedicated to one group. I'm not trying to toe any line. You know, I'm just trying to be the most honest. And this guy's that guy's super honest, um, uncomfortably honest." Um, but he's just like, I'm just trying to be the most honest human being I can be because I don't want to be lied to. So I'm not going to lie to anybody else. Right? So we'll end on uh, Matthew 5. We're going to jump back a little bit to Matthew 5, 9, to the Beatitudes. And I think this is really interesting. Um, Matthew... 5 9 said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Which would be another word for Christians, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Um, Christ was seen as the Son of God, the child of God. Um, and I guess if we can look at Christ's life and we look at Apostle Paul's life and, and some of the other people in the Bible, we can see contradictions in their life where they probably weren't always being the best peacemakers. Um, but you can see the, the, the tornness. Like, and, and, and that's why I always go to Galatians because you just see Paul's humanity. Like one minute he's like, give grace to everybody and do this. And the next minute he's like, but I wish those people over there would just castrate themselves because I don't like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you see the humanity there, which I think is great because I think we all need to make space for ourselves to be human and for error. And, uh, and to be wrong and, and to be emotional and passionate people. Um, so I think that's what's beautiful about Galatians. Um, but I love this idea is that, you know, the peacemaker is called the child of God. But a peacemaker is often one of the hardest jobs. It's often one of the most, uh, not one of the most loved jobs. I mean, if you think about Jimmy Carter, it's funny because he's, he's been seen as a peacemaker. I mean, literally comes in when two countries are at war. Mm-hmm and meets with the leaders of the country and sits down and has a conversation because what of the communicative, uh, communicative idea of, um, what was the word I was using? Let's just open my book again. The communicative rationality, he knows that, okay, well, we've got to get you guys in a room. I'll sit in the room because sometimes you might need a mediator. Yeah. Um, when I went through my divorce, I had to have a mediator for us to work things out. And I think that's great, too, is when you have a mediator. I, I actually kind of love it. It um, made things a lot easier. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so he came in as a mediator, which is another way of being a peacemaker to help us understand each other's. But often you're seen as, you know, oh, you're a compromiser or you're middle down the road, you know, and you know, you're not hot or cold, you know, and, 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 and so everybody's like, well, I gotta be hot, you know, I gotta be on fire, I gotta be angry, you know, and, but right here, Jesus is saying, blessed are the peacemakers. So go in and do what you can to make peace. Revolution in New York, we used to have a shirt called purveyor of peace. And that whole reason we did that shirt was because I was blessed as the peacemaker. But peace is not something that just happens from not buying a product anymore or, you know, or going to a protest 
because um, I've gone to a lot of things that have not changed. But I find that peace happens through communication. That peace happens through having conversations. And from looking at the facts, looking at the details, and also it's very powerful when you can sit down with someone and go, like, you know, I had this opinion about you, and I was wrong. I've done the research, and I thought this was what you were saying, but I realize you're saying it this way. But it's coming off the way that I thought you were saying it. So is there anything we can do the difference for communication? Can you communicate better? Um, it's really revolutionary when we communicate with one another and we talk to each other. Um, there's a power in that. And, 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 and this, you know, uh, what I'm reading from today, um, uh, uh, Jürgen Habermas uh, grasps that as a philosopher. He grasps the power of literally just two people coming into a room together and having a conversation. Um, and Todd McGowan's book, he even goes further and talks about even a shared humanity between two people who are fighting. I'm not going to get into that too much because um, it's pretty bizarre stuff, and you need to read that for yourself because I'm still working on it. But he's like even in a bar fight, and he talks about that, you know, about the shared humanity in that. And I was just like, um, so it's interesting and something to look at. So you know, I hope you guys keep this in mind when we're all stuck inside together. And, um, you know, I hope I've encouraged you to think a little bit more about communicating uh, with others, communicating with people you love and care about, and communicating with those that uh, drive you crazy um, and drive others crazy. Um, Because when we have a shared humanity, that's, I think, how we can change things and live better. And that's what I want. I want people to live better. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hope we can can be a, a... a driving force in helping people think well and uh, live better. So thank you guys so much for this today. Um, uh, we are going to do uh, Afterglow real quick. I sometimes forget that, and I'm just ready to shut the sermon down because I've gone so long-winded, or the talk. Um, so if we have any questions or feedback, Caleb's going to – Caleb. I call him Caleb. But he's named Caleb. <laughs> My nickname is Caleb. Caleb. Change one letter. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb is gonna to read. Did I call you Mark for a while? You used to call me Nathan. Nathan, that's right. When I Excuse first started me. working with Revolution, we're gonna have. I'm really bad at names, everybody. So, Caleb is going to read some of you guys. If you have any questions or feedback, yeah, hit us up now. Quite a few, actually. Oh, we've got um, some now. Um, if it's okay with you, I'd like to start with a, th- a thought that I had. That's actually more of a confession. I would like to make. A confession to you and to the church. Oh. I've been, um, and, and and what you said today really convicted me of it, um, and it reminds me too, it came up in a recent Meet Your Congregation uh, that we did with, uh, with Becca. Um, I've been calling people idiots. You know, people who are uh, maybe either fundamentalists, but, but mainly, my main point is people who were in positions that I myself used to be in. People right. who, whose logic works, I can relate to because I used to have that same logic. But then I get so proud of myself, and I, and I, I feel like, oh, well, I'm so much better than that now. And then I get off on, on, on calling people you know, idiots for not wearing masks or for being Trump supporters and things like that. And, and I feel convicted over that, to use church language, and I, I want to confess to that. That's something that I really that I really need uh, to work on. And I think a lot of that is this kind of self-projection because I used to be where they were and I feel like, well, if I could figure it out and I'm smart enough, yeah. you know, then then they should be able to. 
um, as well. And um, yeah, so that's something that I really need to work on. Um, and I think some of the negative emotion that you see like on Twitter and stuff like that kind of comes from an embarrassment and um, they kind of aim that frustration and negativity at the easiest target. Like you said, that guy saw a picture. Oh, I, have the, I forgot I have the microphone. Like I saw a picture of uh, of your mom, you know, and that just triggered all this yeah. negativity and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really easy to, to, to other and to scapegoat and to, to, to hate someone once you've been able to strip away their humanity. You say, oh, they're just X or Y. Right. You know, they're just a conservative. They're just a liberal. They're just an atheist. They're just a Christian. Once you've stripped away their humanity, it's a whole lot easier uh, to, to characterize them and, as a caricature and not as a human. And so anyway, that's something I need to work on a lot and, and that, what you said convicted me of that. But uh, we had a lot of really great comments today, too. Um, starting out, a lot of well wishes to your father. Oh, thank you, Yeah, everybody. a lot of very genuine well wishes to your dad. I will definitely pass those on. He's, you know, he's been, been through it. Yeah. Um, Rachel... Good old Rachel, our uh, physical and online congregation member, says, Thanks for this reading from Matthew. I like the advice of settling matters quickly before you go to court. I know for myself, if I let hurts go and don't address them right away, they quickly become solidified and toxic, and I don't even know where they came from anymore. Also... It may not even be about settling the matter, but the attempt or intention of settling the matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Miller says, you've been such an incredible leader during this time. Your openness and honesty are very inspiring and realistic. I like that point. Inspiring and realistic. Thanks. I try to stay as realistic as I can. Yeah. Um, I wrote down a few others here. Jennifer. Oh, yeah, David had one down here I wanted to read. Uh, David Linville says, Communication is key. Hate and enemies. Why cause... Hmm, I'm not sure. Maybe there's a typo here. Hate and enemies. Why cause they don't agree with us? Basic respect. Thank you for all you do, Revolution. Unconditional love. Love you, brothers and sisters. Um, Zoe says... Let's be more concerned about emptying the soup kitchens, housing the houseless, and getting children out of cages before whatever slight, small slight we just experienced on social media. Yeah. That's good. So also says, we argue with strangers on the internet and could use the same energy to organize and educate and communicate and take action for real change. A one conversation in the comments of an Instagram post is not real justice. Yeah. Very well said. Um, oh. And then uh, Zoe also says, the, the bravest people in the world continue to change for their entire life. Yeah. I absolutely, million percent agree with that. Um, and it's crazy to constantly change, too, you know, because people want this consistency. But it's so funny. I was watching, I, I was online the other day, and I <clears throat> saw one of my old evangelical friends, and it was weird. They have just stayed in the same place, their, most yeah. of their church. And I was just, just like, how static. do you do that? You know, how do you not move? Yeah. 
you know. Oops, right. Are you reading the same books every day? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm just because I can't help but change and see things new. Right. Constantly. Yeah. And and you know, it's uh, kind of the newer ish thought in philosophy. I always talk about Derrida. Derrida is one of my favorite philosophers, but he he always talks about how it's almost a joke that philosophy is a practice that can never be completed. You know, and I think that that theology is the same way. You know, there's never going to be an ultimate answer. Oh, we figured out philosophy. We figured out theology. This is the final book. We don't need any more books. (laughs) We don't need any more theories. We finally figured it out. But we practice it. You know, and that's why it's a practice. It's it's not something that you achieve and and, and finally tie a bow on it. Um, Cheryl says, um, well, she's replying to something. What's she replying to? Uh... I'm not sure. She says, not always, though, not just people changing rather than being open, open with communication. Nobody having a conversation to be right only that it's an open conversation to have in differences, to learn where one another is coming from. Yeah. Very well put. Live in the, in the friction. Yeah. Zoe says, I want to be a peacemaker. It is an active word, not peacekeeper, peacemaker. Yeah. That's a hard path. Absolutely. Uh, lots. I've, I've, this I think the fifth message that I've seen here is saying, wow, I really needed to hear this today. That's cool. Thank you for opening my eyes. Great message. Um, peacemakers do not always stand between and separate. Sometimes a peacemaker stands with the abused and, see, and seeks to see... The oppression be chain, exchanged for justice, like during civil rights movement, all the uh, like the white people, you know, sitting sitting in with uh, yeah with the minorities. Well, we all def- definitely play a different part, you know, and and that's important to remember too is that we all can't be the one who goes to meet with the group. Sometimes we're the ones who are the the ones who are the caretakers, you know, because often we care for each other and help each other going through hard times. Oh yeah, got to the end. Uh, yep, that is the end. Just just more people, uh, well wishes, and uh, talking about how awesome you are. You're oh, the best, gosh. and the artwork uh, behind yeah. you is amazing. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the artwork behind me, Caleb, has got a lot of time in the COVID world. <laughs> um, thank you, everybody. Thank you for your time here today. And, um, yeah. Be good with each other. Stay safe. And, uh, you know, be careful out there. And the uh, world's a different place right now. And uh, hopefully we can all keep some of the changes we like and then get back to the things we love as well. Mm. Love you guys. Thanks a lot for listening. Um, keep commenting here. See you next week. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. If you like that, you might enjoy the Loose in the Bible Belt podcast with Jay Baker and me, Kristen Becker. 
So my mind was just being blown, and then we invaded Afghanistan. And what really affected me was like I saw the statistics of our, our military people who were you know losing their lives over there, and you know everyone I thought of the parents, you know what they were going through. I, I was very fresh for me. I knew what they were feeling. So I'm just getting very absorbed with the whole 9/11 thing, and then the rhetoric started coming out about uh, Islamophobic rhetoric about how horrible Muslims were that you know they're all terrorists, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I just wasn't buying it. So that's when I started thinking about it. And the, the weird thing was that 10 years later, the anti-Muslim sentiment and even hate crimes are higher than they were right after 9-11. And so that's when I decided it was time to speak up for my friends. And I wasn't a Christian anymore, really. I mean, it was a long process moving out of it. I guess that really depends on how people define Christian, right? Because it sounds to me like you were becoming more of a Christian. <laughs> well, true. In the truest sense. That was a post-Christian podcast.